Welcome into the Training Camp Report. I'm Dale Lolly here with Matt Williamson and Mike Brasuda joining us here in the first hour as he has every day. And uh, Mike, we're one step closer to actual football on the field, uh, at least ones that we'll get to potentially see uh, here starting next week. Uh, but uh, um, potentially, potentially, Steelers uh, donning some shells and helmets today. I don't know if you noticed that in the little video that they put out. Uh, I saw a tweet about helmets. Yes, they had helmets. They had, you know, they had yeah. The whole I'm as excited the right for direction. the return of the NFL as anybody, guys. But <laughs> that, they, that they put helmets on is not moving moving the needle for me. I, There's still football and oh, shorts going on, but the shorts now also now. include a helmet. Baby Safety steps. first. Baby steps. <laughs> Safety first. Yep. Uh, but when uh, the pads come yeah. on. <laughs> Mike, uh, earlier today we had an opportunity to talk to uh, Steelers running back James Conner. Also had an opportunity to talk to his position coach, uh, James Fa- or, uh, um Eddie Faulkner. Eddie Faulkner. Right. Uh, yeah. James Faulkner. I, I just woke up from a nap. Yeah, he was. This he was, was a very was training camp day like for me because we had – Dale ate a lot of pizza. I ate a whole bunch snooze. of pizza. I, Matt and I went down to Minio's down at the, the bottom of the hill here. Or I did, and I picked up a uh, banana pepper and sausage pizza. It's quite good. Uh, that I, I ate most of that and then uh, took a long nap. Uh, so, yeah, Eddie Faulkner, anyways, he, he spoke with us as well. Um, this is going to be a training camp theme show, I might add, just yeah, to, as a little aside here. here. Uh, but, and I guess it should be since this is the training camp report. The training camp report. But um, I thought that, uh, you know, Connor is, he's always been kind of guarded with, with, with how he speaks to the media. He's, he's very uh, much doesn't want to, to uh, necessarily give you a whole lot. Um, but I know that, that when he uh, – I, I believe it was you that asked him about, you know, the, the, the coaching staff and the front office kind of uh, speaking up for him um, in the offseason. Uh, and his reply was, I don't pay attention to what goes – or what's being said outside, the outside noise. Whenever guys say things like that, they know exactly what's been, say, say, been said outside. Yes, that it, it, when he says I'm not paying attention to the outside noise, the translation is I'm paying very close attention to the outside <laughs> noise, and this is my way of saying the outside noise is wrong, and it can go somewhere where I won't have to see it or hear it. Um, James uh, Connor is a really fascinating case to me this year. We did see a couple years ago that he can be really good in the running game and really good in the passing game, but if you look at the career trend uh he hardly played as a rookie and he only played 14 games in that season then he played 13 games in his good year and then last year he played 10 so is there an expectation he's going to be available for 16 this year and what i was getting at with my question to him dale was uh, given that there's a lot of faith in you here obviously uh, did you do anything in the off season uh, to maybe uh prevent injury that you hadn't done previously in getting ready i don't know if there is anything you can do but if he had come up with something, I was curious to, to find out about it. And he just said, no, it's just, you know, injuries happen, same old, same old, get in shape, keep my confidence, worry about the people that matter in terms of what they think of me and go from there. But, guys, I'll, I'll ask you the question. Does, do either one of you expect James Conner to be the guy all season? I lean towards no. Yeah, I mean, history tells us no, even his history going back to college. Uh, you know, he was nicked up. I, Matt and I talked about this earlier. I think – his running style lends itself to injury, but he's valuable to the Steelers because of his running style. It's a catch-22. Mm-hmm. 
you know, they don't want to tell him, hey, you got to avoid contact when you can because that's that's his game. His game is a physical style of running, and that lends itself to uh, the kind of injuries that he had. They haven't been hamstrings or groins or, or things of that nature. They've been knees and shoulders and ankles, you know, things that are that are to beat up trauma injuries, mm-hmm. traumatic injuries instead of the uh, soft tissue stuff. Yeah, and fortunately, though, we talked about this earlier, too. It's not Todd Gurley's knee or Leonard Fournette's ankles that are just chronic and constantly on the injury report. I mean, they've been isolated incidents, but staying healthy is a skill. And, uh, I mean, to answer your question, no. Uh, do I expect him to be a 16-game starter? No. But I do expect him to be highly productive while he's right or as long as he's right. I think that's a good way to look at it. I would agree with you. And it was interesting that we got a chance to talk to Eddie Faulkner today because he was talking about a lot of the other guys in that running backs room. And uh, I got to be honest with you guys, uh, there was a time in this offseason process when I was thinking about Juju Smith-Schuster and James Conner, and my thought was, boy, they really need both of these guys to have big years because of the positions that they play and because of what they're capable of when they are healthy and when they're right. But the more I study this running back position, the more um, I'm kind of coming around to the theory of if James Conner can stay healthy and be great, great. And if he can't, I think there's enough there to make up for it. And it might be by committee. Uh, it might be somebody that uh, doesn't necessarily get you excited as we speak here today in mid-August. But uh, as Mike Tomlin has observed many times, running backs come in all shapes and sizes. And uh, you get them from a lot of different places. And the rest of that offense might be good enough that they can just figure out who does what well, as, as Faulkner talked about today, and allow them to do that and get it done at the position. Well, I think the key to that, Mike, is which James Conner are you getting in terms of you know, production on the field? If you're getting the guy who's you know basically averaging about, I don't know, 115 yards a game uh, total yards in 2018 – then, yeah, you'd like to have that guy available every game. If mm-hmm. you're getting the guy last year who rushed for, in, in his first uh, six games, 21, 33, 43, 42, 55, and 41 yards before going for 145 in the game against Miami, um, then maybe you don't need him quite as much. Uh, you know, he can, he can obviously do some other things for you. In fact, you know, the game that he had uh, 10 carries for 42 yards against the uh, – the Cincinnati Bengals, he had eight catches for 83 yards. Yeah. Uh, the game against the uh, the Chargers uh, right before that 145-yard game, only 16 carries for 41 yards, but seven catches for 78 yards and a touchdown that, that was a difference maker in that game against the Chargers. So if you're getting that guy, a guy who can, you know, maybe maybe when things aren't necessarily working on the ground, you can find a way to, to incorporate him into the passing game, and he's obviously their most complete back uh, then yeah, that that you need that guy. Uh, but if it's the guy that you had in the second half who had uh, five carries, eight carries, and six carries in the three games in which he did play, that that, that really doesn't do anything for you. Yeah, and the, the Charger game I think is a great example because he was phenomenal in that first half, and the the contributions in the past he was making guys miss, he was running over guys. The touchdown catch that you referenced, Dale, was a short pass from Devlin Hodges, he just obliterated a guy along the sideline and, and ran it into the end zone. And then he came up unavailable, and they, they gave the ball to Benny Snell, and Benny Snell just pounded out the yardage and had a real big night. And they, they kind of finished that game 
you know, starting pitcher, relief pitcher kind of deal. But uh, Benny Snell, as I've mentioned already on this program, I think is a real interesting guy going into this year. And your point, uh, I think it was your point, Dale, about Smallwood uh, not just being a guy you bring in here to fill out a camp roster, uh, a guy who's done some things, the guy who the Steelers have seen firsthand do some things. You have a couple of different speedback options with uh, White and McFarland. Uh, you got guys who can contribute in the passing game. Jalen Samuels, uh, Benny Snell can run. Connor can do both. Uh, Derek Watts, pretty good fullback. I wonder what kind of uh, impact that's going to have. I wonder how much they're going to use him. Uh, there's there's some intriguing stuff there. Nothing necessarily uh, that's on paper that you can point to and say I expect this. But uh, you might you might be pleasantly surprised if you're doubting the running back position. Mike, I know it's not Coach Tomlin's style, and, and he's more of a one-back guy than maybe any of the coach in the league. And, and frankly, it's worked for the most part. But would you view this season – pitch count's not the right word for Connor, but would you look at him to spell him more often if your young guys, the Snells, the guys you mentioned, are at least showing promise? Or are you just going – dance with who brung you? No, I think I, – I respect your point about the, you know Tomlin's track record, but I think Tomlin is also – a guy who's adaptable, mm-hmm. and I think the circumstances this year are going to dictate that you do that with certain players just because of the no-off season and the kind of improvised training camp everybody's going through here. How ready is anybody going to be in September the 14th? Um, you might have to ease into this and use some pitch counts, and you might find that that's working. And I'll, I'll tell you what, if they start that way in the first couple, three weeks, and it is working, they're certainly not going to go away from it. Right, good point. Right, and, and Mike might have to early. And Mike, Matt brought to. up a, an interesting point about that when we were talking about that earlier. The Steelers play Saquon Barkley early in the year. If Saquon Barkley's on a pitch count, that's a huge benefit for the Steelers because he's easily their best, most explosive offensive uh, weapon. A lot of running backs might be that first couple. Yeah, of weeks could be like that whole right. you know the first few weeks of the season. Nobody's getting twenty five touches in a game. If you're playing the Giants. And Saquon Barkley doesn't get uh, tw- you know twenty to twenty five touches. That's a win. Um, you no know doubt. that that certainly makes the game much easier for your defense. You know I think you can extrapolate that out. Uh, are, are your pass rushers going to rush every pass rush? Are your receivers going to run every route? Uh, you, you, you're going to need depth in the secondary, depth at wide receiver, uh, depth at uh, the the rush positions, the edge. Uh, that's going to that's going to be the case at a lot of spots on the roster, and. Uh, I, that's another reason why I think this rookie class, assuming that uh, they can be up to speed to a, a passable degree when the thing starts. And, and going back to what Randy Feekner talked about offensively, you know, just figure out what they can do and have them do that. Uh, you might see some, you know, not necessarily profound contributions from Claypool or Highsmith uh, or uh, McFarland, for example, but you might see them get in there. And, and play 8, 10, 12 significant snaps. And maybe they do something in those 8, 10, 12 significant snaps. Anything certainly possible when uh, those guys are, are talented enough to uh, to make something like that happen. Uh, certainly, you know, one carry for Anthony McFarland could result in a touchdown. He has that yeah. kind of speed. Claypool is, is a guy who's obviously, uh, you know, could be used as a red zone target. If, if you line him up on one side and Ebron on the other, um, you know, who are you taking away in that situation? You can't double both, I wouldn't think, if, if you have also have somebody in the slot. So, yeah, they give they, they definitely give you some options, and, and that's, I think, what this uh, team is kind of uh, looking at this year. 
Um, it's it's an interesting roster. It's an interesting team. I know Matt just uh, put out his uh, uh, rankings, uh, re-ranking the NFL in terms of power, power rankings ranks, right. uh, earlier today. He sent those to me. He's moved the Steelers up on his list. You moving them up based on what's happened, based on nobody opting out? Uh, some of that. Some of it's people above or teams above them moving down. I think the mojo, the the vibes for the team has been very strong. You know, I mean, they seem like a, a well organized unit as you would expect a well coached group a veteran group um ben throwing you know doesn't hurt <laughs> you know yeah so lots well, to we it. got him what's the what's the mystery we're, seven we're i think it was yeah, man, seven. seven up up from 10 earlier well knock it knock it down give me the give me the list i you know you gotta you gotta retweet that and put that i c y m i in front of that in case you missed oh, it oh yes because yes. I, I missed it That's i don't have it handy. i have it handy here so he's got kc one baltimore two new orleans three up from four before Ooh. uh the san francisco 49ers at four dallas at five philly at six steelers at seven seattle at eight tampa bay at nine and tennessee at ten Tampa oh, Bay and, and Tennessee taking a step back from that previous list. New England took a big step back. Yes, New yeah. England's uh, quite, taking quite the. Fire. But I think the top four teams kind of stand alone, draw a line under them, and then I think there's another four to six teams there that are the tier two teams. And Pittsburgh, to me, is the best AFC one of that group. I think you could make an argument that Pittsburgh is the best of the tier two group. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not buying Dallas and Philly. I, but the rest I of it seems pretty legit. Right, I hear you. I mean, I think Dallas's offense is superb. Their special teams were horrible last year. They lost a ton of tight games. I think bringing in a more established professional head coach is going to have good ramifications there. The Eagles are just a, a team that I trust, and I like the way they're built. I'm kind of smitten with Carson Wentz, too. I, I think he might That's be his in the new open. man's crush. He's moved on from Jimmy Garoppolo to, uh, to uh, Carson Carson Wentz. and I have been lovers for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, we're going to take a break. He is uh, Matt Williamson. That's Mike Pursuta that you hear there as well. I'm Dale Lally. You are listening to the Training Camp Report here on Steelers Nation Radio. We'll be back with more right after this. We are back. I'm Dale Lolly here with Mike Pursuta, Matt Williamson. Yes. My brain is just, I'm not working. Right. You got to wake I'm, up, man. I'm feeling like it's a training camp type day. And, and you know, I, again, my, my my stomach is filled with pizza with, that had peppers and sausage on it. So it was like a, like a, a stuffed pepper pizza. Too. A lot that of was, cheese. Very a heavy, cheesy. Heavy, nice pizza. Very yeah. heavy, cheesy thing. Um I'm talking here football here with uh, with Matt and Mike, which we, we would be normally doing about this time of day. Very true. Very true. Uh, you know, there's uh, there's football going on. Not that we have seen it yet, but certainly uh, football being uh, participated in over at uh, Heinz Field, and uh, hey, lots of stuff going on here and there in terms of uh, stuff around the league, uh, like Sean McDermott getting a, a new contract. Uh, yeah, yeah, a couple extension. things like that. People getting signed, like and you know, I, I think guys like Clowney and Griffin might start to find homes. And yeah, you know, uh, we are getting some news. And hey, they put helmets on today, right? They put helmets on today, and and Mike, I, I just wanted to, uh, I just wanted you to welcome our new guest here. I'm not going to tell you who this guest is. 
You're going to have to guess by the voice. Guest, mystery guest, go ahead. <laughs> you got the popcorn yet? <laughs> Baskets of popcorn? What are you doing? Coach Laviola, welcome to the jungle. It gets worse here every day. <laughs> I told you, Mike, I wanted the training camp feel to today's show. So Bob usually joins us on Wednesdays. I asked him if he could come on at 620 instead of uh, 220 for our show earlier because I wanted a Sharky's feel to tonight. <laughs> Got the band back together again. <laughs> well, so far it's better than a Sharky's feel because uh, uh, Mike hasn't gotten to the jukebox and plugged it full of money playing those songs that I hate. <laughs> we were talking about that a couple of days ago. Yeah, the Angry was... <laughs> Pirate music and then the Springsteen. And, run. and then he walks out with a pizza under his arm. <laughs> hey, there's nothing... That, that that pizza under the arm move is uh, tried and true. <laughs> Gentlemen, you got to uh, hold, the, bo- go, go hold the box by the points. You can't you can't fumble it. And if you bump into somebody on the way out, if you have it, if you hold the box high and tight by the points, you're good. <laughs> ball security. It's all about the ball security, guys. Uh, we're going to see uh, next week uh, the team get on the field. Fourteen practices to get ready for the start of the regular season. Um, I know, Mike, we've talked about this. Bob, we've talked about this. Let's debate. Is, is is 14 practices going to be enough for this particular team? you got direct traffic here. we got four of us. That's Who true. Who are you talking to? Bob, I, I, I'm just wondering. This is a veteran Steelers roster. Uh, they, they're, they're not looking for a ton from the young guys. Is 14 going to be enough? Um, you know, this, this such uncharted territory. I mean, I, whatever I say, I think is would have to be qualified as a guess. Not that I'm, you, you know, above uh, I've lost such unresearched answers. Uh, but uh, I, I, it's going to have to be. I mean, David DeCastro on a Zoom call earlier in the week mentioned that the Steelers are a veteran enough team that uh, they don't really need a lot of that kind of uh, on the field head banging. And so, you know, DeCastro is a uh, thoughtful, intelligent Stanford man, and so I'm going to uh, defer to his expertise on some of this. But I also think that it, it's going to be incumbent upon uh, the coaching staff to understand, you know, what, uh, where they are in terms of um, where the team is in terms of, you know, detail of assignments. Keep it simple, and you know, understand that rather than um, looking for some aesthetically pleasing performance, what you really need is just to stay close enough to have a chance to try and win the game at the end. And you know, and you kind of work on your game as you're trying to accumulate numbers, you know, in the win column. So uh, there's, I think, there's a little strategy involved in doing it this way. Uh, I think it can work. Uh, the only thing that I don't know, and I don't know that anyone knows this, is the impact of only 14 padded practices on bodies that then have to crank it up to full speed, you know, NFL regular season football. Does that mean more hamstring pulls, groin strains, you know, those kinds of things? I don't know the answer to that, and I don't really know that anyone can definitively answer that. So. You know, maybe they're, they're, you have to have some sort of um, adjustment to number of snaps, playing rotation, things of that nature. Mike, you got any thoughts on that? 
Uh, unfortunately, guys, I didn't hear any of it. No. <laughs> uh, Normally, I just tune Labriola out, but this time I was actually interested in what he had to say, but uh, we got some kind of technical glitch going. I would just add, I'm sure he covered it very well. Uh, I would just add that as Mike Tomlin uh, would probably point out or maybe has pointed out, it's a global issue. Everybody is going to be uh, taking the field with fewer practices than they would feel comfortable with, and I think the veteran continuity teams, such as the Steelers, have a little better chance to navigate it. That doesn't mean they're going to. But uh, I'm, I am in the DeCastro camp that for most of these guys, the not playing a preseason game and having fewer practices isn't going to have a drastic effect. And I think, too, guys, that the schedule makers kind of did the Steelers a favor, not knowing, of course, they, they didn't know at the time that this was going to be what, what the season would look like. But you play a Giants team in the opener with a second-year quarterback and a rookie head coach, brand-new coaching staff. Yep. Week two, you play a second-year coach in the Denver Broncos with essentially a, fir- a first-year starter at quarterback, a kid who's Very got young, uh, five or six starts under his belt. Uh, and you're a team that's going to be bringing back um, lots of, uh, you know, con- again, the continuity, lots of uh, – A lot of moving pieces on that Denver offense, too. A lot of veterans, yeah. Too, um, you don't right. have to – you're not going to have as many issues with it, I think, as the – as the, the, the Giants and Broncos. Right, right, your young opponents. Right. You're going to have some time to warm up to it where they're going to have to – they're going to be hitting the ground – or you're going to hit the ground running while they're kind of warming up to it is, I guess, what I wanted to say there. Um, in terms of the overall league, I think when we when we look at uh, the way this team – and we were talking there in the previous segment, Matt has the Steelers at the, as the seventh best team in the league going into the uh, – as of August 13th. As of today, right? Or tomorrow? Or tomorrow. Maybe. As I of got tomorrow. The wrong you, you're, you're looking into the future. This yes. is what we do in rate. We, <laughs> we look into the future. Tomorrow, they'll be the seventh. And, I, you know, I, I think that the, given everything that's happened in this training, uh, this camp thus far, uh, with the other teams, some of the, 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 the opt-outs and things that have happened around the league, um, I, I think they should be moving up. In those areas, and and, right. and then also, you know, the, the, I think things are breaking their way. Yeah, the optimism surrounding the Ben right. Roethlisberger as well. Uh, you know, we didn't know what we were going to see from him. We didn't know exactly where he was going to be at, and I think we're getting a better idea of that now. And Bob, does it, does this make you feel better uh, right now? I, I know you're a guy that likes to live in his fears. Are you feeling better about the Steelers <laughs> now than you did say two weeks ago? Well, you know, and again, I, I've talked about this with you guys um, in, in our previous segments. You know, on Wednesdays, um, I'm I'm excited because uh, the quarterback is throwing the ball. He says he's feeling good, and he's suffering no setbacks. And you know, I've, I've mentioned this many times. To me, you know, the one of the critical elements of you know, coming back from this kind of injury slash surgery is, you know, it's not so much bad if you're a little bit behind, you know, whatever the original prognosis or schedule was for you to be back. What's bad is if you come back and then you have a setback. And so far what has been happening with Ben is he's not suffering setbacks. After he throws, you know, he's not experiencing discomfort, you know, or any of that kind of stuff, at least he says, and I take him at his word. Um, oh, tra- yeah, the, it's Ben. If he were feeling discomfort, we would all know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and so since he's not, um, you know, that to me is, is 
very good news because um, you know you're looking at a guy who uh, he may need uh, some time to establish some rapport you know with some of these new slash young receivers that he really didn't get a lot of chance <clears throat> to play with last year um, but you know that can happen during these practices you know the pitch and catch stuff um, you know can doesn't need to be uh, uh, executed in full pads in the sense that there's, you know, violence, at least not from the quarterback's standpoint because you're not allowed to hit the quarterback anyway. Uh, The people who have to adjust when violence is introduced are the receivers, and so, you know, that's on those guys. But the fact that Ben has been able to, you know, continue to march back um, without any setbacks to me is – really the most significant uh, byproduct of this whole procedure that started July 28th so far. Yeah, I totally agree, Labs. And you mentioned something earlier, and it's one of the things I thought was really well said by you, that we don't know with this layer of preparation what's that going to mean for hamstrings and pulls and things of that nature. The other things that worry me, and that's for all teams, are timing i mean that's a lot of route based things or when i should pass this pass rusher off or when i should move the second level as an offensive lineman and then the other thing i think is going to be just really hard for all teams as well is just conditioning i mean you can try and you can run sprints all you want but you can't run a play at full speed for three or four seconds take 25 seconds off do it again and fight aaron donald you know it's just you have to get into shape by playing the game Right, and that's why I was talking about, you know, snap counts and mm-hmm. personnel groupings and player rotation, those kind of things. And the other thing, you know, I mentioned uh, I thought that, uh, you know, an element where the coaches need to be constantly aware and on top of things, you know, by keeping it simple, you avoid, especially well on defense, you know, you avoid the busted coverages or blown assignments that can end up, you know, uh, in, a, in an opposing team's touchdown. But even more critical, back to what I was talking about before, is, and you mentioned it too, Matt, with the you know double-team blocks and twists and games and stuff that the offensive line has to be coordinated uh, to be able to handle. Mm-hmm. You don't want any free shots on your quarterback either. No. And so, um, you know, getting that stuff buttoned down, uh, maybe not the best way, but the most efficient way for where you are, you know, at this time of the season, to me, is it's critical. And, it, you know, if you can avoid that kind of stuff, keep Ben healthy. And, you know, the defense, I think, has enough veterans or returning players, at least, uh, we can call them, that, uh, you know, don't try and outsmart yourself. And, you know, just let your players play. And sometimes... Sometimes, to use a tennis analogy, it's okay to let the other guy hit it into the net. Yeah, right. That's a point for you, too. A lot of games so, will be lost rather than won. Right. As Chuck Noll would always say, the first thing you have to do is don't lose the game. Mm-hmm. To that point, uh, Mike, uh, Bob mentioned that uh, you know we may see more just kind of base coverages, uh, especially early in the season as teams kind of figure out what they're doing. For a team with a veteran quarterbacks, the, guy, the teams that have those veteran quarterbacks, if they see a lot of cover two and cover three, Ben Roethlisberger is going to feast on that, is he not? Yeah, certainly going to have to uh, mix it up against those type of guys that you mentioned, Dale. But, uh, yeah, limited uh, certainly in the early going, and uh, that also plays into the, the Steelers' hands. I agree with your point about 
the schedule. It's it's better the way it kind of played out than if they were playing Dallas at the Ravens and uh, you know <laughs> games of that magnitude right away. Uh, they kind of get to ease into it a little bit. Yeah, it should be interesting. I think uh, you know those first few weeks. So as as everybody again, we don't nobody as Bob mentioned when we started this segment. Uh, nobody knows what this is going to look like. No, uh, we don't know that. Uh, you know, you can kind of look at each team on paper right now to go back to Matt's uh, you know assessments here of all these teams, and this is a you know you always say Matt, this is the best everybody's going to look. Right. We don't know two weeks two weeks from now somebody's quarterback could test positive for for a coronavirus. I mean, most or, things are going to happen yeah. between now and opening day are bad. Yeah, everything from right. here on out that, that happens for the most part is going to be bad, and so therefore the fact that the Steelers have had a quiet camp and one that uh, you know there's not a lot of uh, quote unquote news coming out of that's not a bad thing if you're a Steelers fan. Anyways, okay. <laughs> I agree. Well, is it yeah. is, is it quiet because nothing's happening, or is it quiet because nobody's there? I think a little bit of both, but there's no again. There's, we'll there, find out. There's none of the injuries. I mean, we're, we're not seeing any of these things. I mean, you know, Trey Wayne's. Uh, of course, he went to Michigan State, so it's not surprising that he got hurt. But <laughs> you know, the, he's one of the Bengals' big signings of the off season, and he you know he tears his pec, uh, pectoral muscle. Um, you know, what Monday in training camp. Uh, those are the kind of things you can't have happen mm-hmm. right now. You haven't put on pads yet. And they happen every year, unfortunately, but this year it's just magnified. Yep. Bob, uh, you, you uh, starting to get that uh, training camp feel to things yet, or are you still uh, kind of living this day by day? Well, I mean, it, it, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to, that things seem to be going well. You know, certainly this is, this is strange, um, you know, doing all of these things remotely and, Zoom calls and you know there it, it it doesn't have the same feel uh, you know and certainly kind of where we are right now is analogous to you know OTAs um, and you know pads go on what is it Sunday I think right Sunday um, and so you know there's going to be a little bit of maybe more excitement there too but you know I'm also interested in how that's handled because I don't even know if you can crank it up. To the same volume, so to speak, uh, in terms of hitting this summer than you could have last summer or previous summers, where you know things were kind of a more normal, you know, off-season situation. Um, and again, I, you know, it, it's one of those things where you you can wait to see what happens and then you know, judge the decision based on the outcome. If, you know, in backs on backers, a couple of guys get hurt, well, then you can say, well, that was a stupid decision, having backs on backers <laughs> in the first right. practice. But then again, you know, at some point, you got to put the pads gotta on. find those things and, out. And practice it like it's played a little bit anyway. Yeah. And so... Um, you can't trot McFarland out there without backs on backers. <laughs> well, he's got to see these well, you, things. You yeah. don't. I mean, yeah. that's, that's, that's the thing. I mean, that's why... Um, you know, when you're looking at roles within the, uh, within either the offense or defense, I mean, those, those young those young running backs, uh, you could play, to me, the only guys you could play on third down that I would feel even remotely comfortable with right now would be James Conner, Benny Snell, Derek Watt, and, you know, you don't have to throw to them either. Hey, Derek, anybody breaks mm-hmm. through there, you know, stick your helmet in the, you know, in their chest. Uh, you know, those kind of things, because to me in that situation, and I understand that, 
you know, you want to have as many weapons and threaten the defense with as many eligibles as you can and all that. But once again, as I was saying before, you can't lose sight of job number one, which is protecting the quarterback. And so if you've got to put, um, you know, Zach Banner back there to make sure that nobody gets a hit on Ben, do it. You know, maybe it's not the way the offense is supposed to look, and maybe it's not the way it's drawn up or any of that stuff. But again, nothing is more important than protecting the quarterback. And I think if these the priorities, you know, are not lost sight of, um, you have a chance uh, to keep your team together healthy in a football sense as opposed to a, you know, a virus sense, and, you know, put some wins on the board and then see where you are uh, at Halloween. Yeah, good stuff there from Bob Labriola. We're going to take a break. We appreciate Bob dropping by, giving us a little bit more of that training camp-like feel. I feel better now. I've heard Bob and Mike in the same (laughs) conversation, which I would have done a thousand times by this point in a normal year. Uh, But uh, getting these two guys uh, on the the same call, certainly worth it for me. Uh, Bob, we appreciate you stopping by. Uh, Hey, Dale. Yes. And the banana pepper pizza just showed up at the front door. So we already had it I'm here, out. Bob. We had we had the we had the pizza with the, I, we Matt and I had a banana pepper pizza, banana pepper and sausage pizza for lunch today from down the street. And then Dale took a nap. And then I took a nap. So it was very training camp like. <laughs> I was going to say very training camp. <laughs> <laughs> right. That was Bob Labriola of uh, Steelers Digest, Steelers.com. We appreciate Bob stopping by. Uh, Mike, Matt, and myself are going to take a break here. We'll be back right after this with the training camp report. Welcome back. I'm Dale Lolly here with the Training Camp Report, joined by Mike Pursuta and Matt Williamson. And, of course, uh, our Steelers coverage is brought to you by PNC Bank. At PNC Bank is the official bank of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, uh, guys, uh, you know, when you look at um, this season, uh, the way things are, are matching up here, for um, the Steelers don't have – a lot of guys under contract necessarily for 2021. They've got some guys here, and we mentioned we talked about James Conner. We mentioned Juju Smith-Schuster. One of their off-season priorities was trying to get Cam Hayward signed to a contract extension. Is that more or less likely now, right now, Mike, before the season starts, given what the, the unknowns right now involving the league? I think it's probably less, don't you? I mean, I think everybody's got to figure out the cap before. Oh, there he is. I'm sorry, we missed you, missed you there at the beginning. I was saying I think it's probably less likely, and I think that's another global thing. Uh, too much uncertainty with the salary cap, right? I mean, uh, right. everybody's got to figure out how much they're going to have to spend before they start spending it. And At least it's a little uh, clearer a lot of things, now, though, than it was a month ago. A little bit, but yeah. uh, and maybe Hayward's the type of guy that you just say, all right, well, we're signing him, and then we'll worry about the rest of it when we have to worry about the rest of it. But uh, – you know, I think maybe T.J. Watt falls in that category too. I, I think with with a guy such as Cam, I don't think he's going to take offense necessarily uh, if it doesn't happen. You know, if it happens later rather than sooner, or if it doesn't happen sooner. And uh, I also think that uh, he's a guy who's not necessarily, uh, you know, ready to go to the highest bidder. Uh, usually, if those guys get to the season, you start thinking, okay, they're just going to 
play it out. And, you know, they're so close to unrestricted free agency. Why wouldn't they wait? But uh, I think camp's pretty happy here. I think they're pretty happy with Cam. And uh, I see that working out somehow. Trev, we were talking about a, a Matt Filer a little earlier too, Dale and I. And it kind of felt like now might be the time to lock him up too. I mean, you have a lot of offensive line uncertainty contract-wise going forward and age. He, he's proven that he can be a right tackle. They think he can be a guard. I think he can be a guard and a very good one. He hasn't made a fortune yet. Maybe you get him 70, 80 cents on the dollar. Yeah, it's not a bad thought. Uh, you know, that, that line could get younger real quick. That line, right? If, if, it, it, after this season, I mean, basically three of your top four starting, ta- three of your fop, top four top tackles are up. are uh, all up after mm-hmm. this season. Um, the only one under contract, Chuk's a core for. Um, after the 2021 season, essentially you have no linemen uh, who have ever played in an NFL game right. under contract. <laughs> uh, you, you might want to address that if you're the Steelers at some point, and, and one of the ways to do that would be signing Matt Filer. Because he can play two spots, too. Or, yeah, you know, he gives right. you at least gives you some leeway. He's he's not an old player by any stretch of the imagination. And, oh, by the way, he's not bad. He's a pretty good player, too. Yeah, more anchorish than normal, according to the great Dave DeCastro. <laughs> I love that description. I, I, would, I, I want to see what more anchorish looks like for Matt Filer because Matt Filer is built like – He's an anchorish dude. Yeah, he's a big, big, strong, strapping dude. Yeah. Um, I know that every year at training camp, the Steelers hold their uh, – what is now a home run hitting contest down on the over on the baseball field at St. Vincent College. And Matt Filer, I believe, has won it the last couple of years. Um, he can hit a ball can a country mile. It, I bet. Yeah, uh, he is a big, strong dude. He might be there. I mean, I wonder if you pulled the strength coach aside, who's the strongest guy in the team? It might be Filer. Uh, he might be on. He would yeah. be on the short list. I right, would guarantee right. you that. And uh, like I said, the guy, the guy can play. Um, he's come up. He's another one of those uh, finds for them. A uh, guy that was with the Houston Texans initially out of Bloomsburg, and then uh, got cut, uh, got signed by the Steelers off a, off their practice squad, and uh, has turned into a a legitimate NFL uh, a, starter. I think above average starter. Yeah, right. Yeah. So he, yeah, the perseverance in that story is just uh, remarkable. And uh, he just kept hanging in there and getting better and waiting for his shot, and then he made the most of it. It doesn't have to happen right away. You don't have to be a high pick. But uh, the teams that know how to develop, can uh, they keep finding those guys, right? Is it is it that their eye is that sharp or that they just are better at turning a lump of clay into an NFL player? Fixing the problem. Maybe a little had, both. Or, yeah. Maybe just a little bit of both, and I think that uh, – Patience, you know, too. Yeah, again, that, that's the thing. I think the biggest thing is to have the patience. I mean, we've seen some other teams around the league. It, it doesn't work for, you know, oh, well, we're just going to move on. We're going to, you know, this this guy's didn't turn into this since, you know, in in a year. Uh, we're going to move on. We're going to draft another guy mm-hmm. and, and let this guy go. I think the Steelers have done an outstanding job over the years, especially on that offensive line of bringing in sure. guys who have traits and then turning that into something. I think it's – uh, Matt talks about it all the time. That the the hidden, uh, the, the you didn't spend draft picks on these offensive linemen, and, right? And you're it's, getting starters out of it, and people are overdrafting offensive linemen left and right, and you're getting guys off the street and turning them into starters, where second round picks are busting left and right. Um, and you said it. I mean, traits and patience. You know, like look at the Seahawks corners. They're not going to take a short little corner with stubby arms. They're gonna they know what they want from the position. He's going to look like Richard Sherman, and his position coach is going to develop him. Okay, he needs to do this with his footwork. 
I think he can get there. I think I can get him there. Okay, you got a year to get him there. If you don't, we'll go find somebody else. If you do, a fifth-round corner becomes a starter. You know, I mean, it's just knowing the organization, the system, and what specific traits, like you mentioned, you're really after. It's almost similar to recruiting, don't you think, Matt? Yeah. Where, you know, if, if you're a college team, you can go out and try to get as many stars. You know, like we got three, five stars, and we got ten, four stars, and uh, all the rating services said we had the best recruiting class in the country. But uh, sometimes teams are much more successful when they identify how they want to play, find guys who can do that and are coachable, mm-hmm. and guys who fit their culture, and just roll that way. And uh, you know, winning the off season's great, but winning the Rose Bowl's better. It's <laughs> a great point. You know, like in the recruiting world. You're not going to ever turn down a five star unless you think he's a problem child or something like that. But they all which go the they same. invariably are. I mean, uh, yeah. a lot of I shouldn't say invariably, but it, it happens. It's not uh, an unprecedented development that a no. five star doesn't work out. But they all go to the same five, ten schools, and if you don't happen to work at one of those schools, you're not getting them anyway. So you better yeah. develop long term plans. We're going to bring in this tight end and turn him into a tackle and feed him steaks like it's his job and. You know, like, I bet college basketball is that way. Like, sure, I can get the stud recruits, but can I develop a program where I can bring in the guy that's a little short, a little bit not desirable, and make him fit my system and out-tough people and play our style? Yeah, you see a lot of that at the the college basketball level, and especially with guys leaving early. Uh, But I I do think that um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, One of the things that could help – the revenue stream for the NFL, and I haven't seen this talked a lot uh, about a lot yet, is the fact that college football isn't going to be playing in some conferences, aren't going to be playing on Saturdays. If the NFL picks up the slack oh. on on some of those Saturday uh, time slots, that's what's happening. Um, you know they're going to get more money, yeah. and that makes up for some of the the lack of fans in the seats. Uh, so I, I, I definitely expect the NFL to tap into that. And the NFLPA, while they might grouse about it a little bit, it's going to be about the money in that situation, and they're going to take the mo- they're going to they're going to take the money. And that might bring us back to the Cam Hayward conversation or the Walk conversation. Is well, we just picked up an extra day a week of TV money. I know that one seventy five cap is going to be better than that now. You know, we just we just lucked into something. Cam, let's get you locked up. Let's get a couple other people locked up, and hopefully that's what's on the horizon. At least you can benefit from someone else's hardships, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and, and you can, as as Dale's pointed out, you can always uh, renegotiate the quarterback again. That know? would that would go a long way towards uh, you know, and, and and I'll tell you what, the, the, you know, having talked to him last week, he sounded like a guy when he when he's talking out about winning multiple Lombardies, um, he doesn't sound like a guy who's just worried about playing out the final two years of his contract. And to take it a step further, if you're going to lose some free agents because you can't keep everybody. Be real nice not to to knock that quarterback of the future market. Uh, Kick it down, down the road, road. another one year. more year yeah. down the road would be great. Yeah, Dale, that got my attention as well, and uh, we didn't talk much about it when we were going over the Ben interview. But his uh, standard line has uh, been for a number of years now. He's taking it year to uh, year. It, well, that and you know, as long as uh, the offensive line's good in front of me, and as yeah. long as Pouncey's here and all that. I didn't hear anything other than I want to win a lot. Yeah. (laughs) There were no other factors attached to it. So maybe that was just the enthusiasm of the moment, or maybe he's uh, after a year off, he's thought, you know what? I can do this another five years. I think if, I think his body is to Kevin Colbert's point about the whole off season. He talked about it. 
I think his body probably feels better than it has in a real long time. No doubt. He hasn't been hit in a year. Knees and lower body and things when, that are bothering When's the last time he went a year without being hit? Mm-hmm. Probably when he was seven. <laughs> right. You know? I mean, honestly, if he's played football that long, he's been hit on a pretty regular basis, and now he hasn't been. I'm sure his body feels great. Probably went a whole year without getting in a car crash. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. So, yeah, so I, I guarantee he feels a lot better about it and – uh um, that's that's something I, I think definitely has to get done if that cap does go down uh, next year as expected, even if it doesn't go down as far as they expect. That, that, that can free up a lot of cash by extending him another year. And while some may look at it as, yeah, you're kicking the can down the road another year and, and, and rolling the dice with a 40-year-old quarterback, uh, the 40-year-old quarterback has been pretty darn good for you for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it deserves that benefit of the doubt, I think. Yeah, as long as he shows well, it. Yeah, right. I mean, if he proves it on the field this year, yeah. you're all in, right? Yep. It's not like nobody else is doing it. I mean, it's, a, it, you know, things have changed. Guys are, can play longer if they choose to and uh, if they take the necessary steps. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but that's going to do it uh, for the first hour here, so we're going to let Mike go. Uh, we do appreciate Bob Labriola surprising us with the, with the stop by uh, to give us a little training camp feel. Uh, we want to thank Mike for stopping by again, as he has every night out for the last uh, last few weeks here uh, from 6 to 7. Matt and I will be back from 7 to 8 to finish up the show, the, the day's events. Uh, you are listening to the Training Camp Report here on Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome back. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson. And Matt, I saw an interesting uh, article here on uh, NFL.com talking about unbreakable NFL records. Oh, wow. And, you know, some of the, the, the NFL's numbers aren't quite as historic in terms of, they aren't as... DiMaggio's as, hitting streaks. Yeah, it's not like, it's not like wins, baseball where right. everybody grew up knowing these numbers. Sure. But they asked a panel of, of people who cover the NFL... Uh, Judy, Judy Batista, Jeffrey uh, Chaita, uh, Michael Silver, and Jim Trotter. Uh, I mean, to there's certainly some records in sports that are never going to get broken. Yeah. You know, like Gretzky's point lead and some like those type of things. You know, but I'm curious what the football ones are. So I they can't ask come up with one. Was, what do you head. think are the unbreakable NFL records? Um, Judy Batista thinks uh, that it might be Emmett Smith's career rushing mark of eighteen thousand three hundred and fifty-five yards. It's a good one. And her reasoning for this is that if you look at the top 60 rushers of all time right now, only four of them are active. 60. And the top 60. Like the top 60 passers are all active. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It's, it's compl- and that's yeah, right. The, I think that's, that's, the part, of the re- that's right. part of the reason for that. It's- I was about to say I would not challenge – nothing in a passing record would I put on this list. But, but the flip side of it is who's going to play we gonna as long see, as Yeah, we're going to see a running back. I mean, Adrian Peterson – is has been playing forever, and he's number five, and he's still like six thousand yards from Emmett yeah. Smith. I mean, like Ezekiel Elliott's on a remarkable pace, and has been like in the top two in yards per game every season he's been in the league. Please do it like ten more years, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, even not only that, right, I mean, what, you know, what counts as a big rushing year now? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, eighteen hundred yards used to be the number that you looked for. Like that was an outstanding season. Now yeah. it's like fifteen hundred. 
Right, right, right. You know, and, and because teams just don't run the ball as much. No, and you look for point. the backs to catch to p- catch passes and do those kind of things. It's a totally different conversation, but I'm sure some running backs yards from scrimmage will be in the con- you know the McCaffreys of the world that are catching the ball like crazy. But I bet that rushing title is pretty safe. Emmett Smith in his 15 seasons had at least 250 carries 13 times. Wow. 13 times at 250. Yeah. Behind an awesome offensive line that was Frank dedicated Gore, to the ball. Frank Gore's been around forever. He has nine of those. Adrian Peterson mm-hmm. has seven. Like, how do you happen to know how far Gore is away from Emmett? He's got, I, he's got, he's like, I like, think he's like fourth or fifth. He's actually third now. Is he third or He's got like okay. 13,000 yards. But he's, he's not going to catch I mean, him. it's an impossibility. Yeah. Right. He's not going to hang around that long. And like you said, Peterson's sort of like that. But the lynches of the world hung it up a while ago and weren't close. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, right. that's just a number that, that really stands out. And you have to stay healthy. Well, and someone's got to get, pay you, yeah. too. People don't even want to pay you your second contract, <laughs> let alone your sixth. Uh, Jeffrey uh, Chedia, uh, he thinks that, that um, Jerry Rice's 197 receiving touchdowns hmm. is one that uh, that is going to stand for a long time. But his, his real – the one that he thinks is going to – um, stand the test of time, and it's been the, the the standard since 1979. Is Paul Krause's 81 career interceptions? Ooh, that's a big one too. That's a big number. That's a big number. Yeah, and, t- and guys just don't more, guys but... just don't throw interceptions like these. The the, it's the the rules are set uh, against defensive backs getting the kind of picks that you need to get to 81 in your and, career. And passing games just changed so much with Bill Walsh too. I mean now. There's safe throws. There's more throws. There's more yardage. The ball's in the air more, but it's in harm's way less. Yeah. You know, put it this way. over the middle with safety decapitating people and yeah. the ball would go up in the air and everybody would pick it up. You Rod know? Woodson played 17 seasons, had 71 career interceptions. And he's a better player than Krause. Yeah. But... And he had ball skills that mm-hmm. are, you know, some of the best of all right, time. Right, right, right. And he couldn't get there. From, um, I think Krause was a pure free safety type, you know, because some of those guys in that era would get... 10, 12 with some regularity. Yeah. But you got to get teams are going down the 18. field a lot more, too. Right. I mean, that was part of the game. I mean, I remember, like, you'd see the leaders when I was a kid, and guys would have 12 interceptions, 10 interceptions. Now you lead the league with six. Right. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it just doesn't happen no. nearly as much. But some defensive backs could play a lot of years. Yeah. You know, especially a safety. But, if you, you again, Woodson played 17. Played 17, right. And got the 71. I'm trying to think of, like, Earl he Thomas needed another two or safety. three. Earl yeah. Thomas probably has, what, 30 picks? Yeah. It's just... I mean, he's, he's, was he going to play double with what he's done now? <laughs> <laughs> That's um, a good one. Michael Silver thinks that it is Tom Brady winning six Super Bowls at the quarterback position. Are we going to see another mm-hmm. quarterback win six Super Bowls? It, I'm going to say yes. It's taken Brady a long time to get the six. It has. <sighs> and early on it looked like, well, he you know he won three in his first – Five years as a starter. Well, it's, this is this is easy. I know. And then I, it took him another decade to get another one. And I'm sure a lot of people are like, "Well, Mahomes can do that." Well, I mean, Mahomes reminds me of Marino. You know, he came in the league and Marino went to a Super Bowl, lost it, and everyone's like, "Ah, he'll go to five more. He'll go to ten more." And then they just don't because it's really it's damn difficult. hard to do yeah. it. Um, but I think quarterbacks are going to play till they're forty. I mean, if Mahomes plays or Burrow or Lawrence or whoever the next great ones are, if they play 20 years. Well, the thing is, though, you, you can't just be you. It can't no, just be a great absolutely. quarterback. You have to be able to keep the, the team around the quarterback. you got to the right team. Now, they signed Mahomes to a ridiculous contract. Mm-hmm. The, the first few years of that contract, even though it's a you know $450 million contract, 
aren't outrageous on the cap hits. But the last, like, six years of that contract, the, the, the numbers no, get astronomical. Remarkable, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, six is a monster number. I mean, don't get me wrong. And Brady's lost three. And so, that's the one. That's what I was about to say. You get to nine Super Bowls as a quarterback. If you could start nine Super Bowls as a quarterback or go to, I'm guessing, 13 AFC championship games. I mean, the number of AFC championship games that the Patriots went to in 20 years or whatever is a remarkable stretch, too. It is. That's the That, to me, is... Almost the one that I would look at and say, that's not going to be... I don't know if anyone can go to that many championship games in that short a time. You need a lot of luck. You need to, I mean, a lot of... Weak division helps. I mean, a lot of things help. Not to mention now, only one team gets a bye. You know, if you're you're the two seed, you don't really have an easier run than anybody else. It's a good one. I mean, I think the playing in nine Super Bowls, starting nine Super Bowls, is harder than winning six, maybe. 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 I mean, you only lost three. Uh, Trotter thinks, and he's sticking with the quarterback theme... He doesn't think that there'll ever be a quarterback. Um, well, he says he says he he never thought that a quarterback would approach Brett Favre's 297 consecutive starts. That's an amazing stat too. But they are protected now more than they've been, and they play longer. Yeah, but that's iron. That's Ripken. Yeah, that's. I mean, River Philip Rivers right now is the active leader with 224. And the number's 290-something? 297, yeah. I mean, Rivers and Rivers, Rivers, you know, he didn't start right away, mm-hmm. but he started every game for the last 13 years. But he could get benched this year. He could. I mean, he could yeah. get hurt like anyone else, but he, he could also get benched. I mean, like, Eli had a long stretch, and then he missed that one. Yeah, where they benched him. Right, right. Um, but his actual number that he believes that no one will ever touch is actually another Favre number. Brett Favre's 336 interceptions. Ooh, that kind of ties in with Krause. People aren't throwing him as much as they used to. You have to be really good to throw 336 career interceptions. Exactly. It's kind of like Jameis Winston throwing 40 this year or 30 this year, yeah. or Crash Davis hitting the most home runs in minor league. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you got to be really good, but and not protect the football. You know? Yeah. I mean, people talk about uh, Roth, Ben Roethlisberger not protecting the football. He's a gunslinger. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't mind throwing interceptions. He has 191 entering his 17th season. And what's Favre at again? 326. Wow. <laughs> so you think Ben's going to throw 150 more? I mean, 10 and Roth, years this is 15? Ben's 17th year. Right. And he, does and he put the ball started all of them. Yeah. Right, right, right. Wow. I mean, he missed a little time here and there, but still. Uh, that's I think I agree. I, I don't think anybody approaches that number. I mean, that's a, that's a big number. Right. You know, for a I guy mean, who you, played 20 years in the league. I say you got to play twenty years, and you got to average twenty turnovers. Yeah, I mean Rivers has one hundred and ninety-eight. He's mm-hmm. thrown he's thrown twenty uh, three times in the last nine seasons, and he's nowhere near that number. <laughs> I mean, you better be ridiculously good for your first three years as starter to turn the, to have twenty interceptions, twenty interceptions, twenty interceptions, and I'm not going to bench you. <laughs> right, I'm not <laughs> right, looking for right. the next guy. You're right, right. Like you better be remarkable. <laughs> so yeah, I think yeah, that's uh, a good one. They're all good ones, better than I thought. Yeah, I mean, there's some numbers there uh, that that you definitely look at and say, yeah, I don't know if that one's going to be touched. I mean, mm-hmm. um, the, the closest player to Favre who who actually played in the 2000s, Vinny Testaverde, played a lot of snaps. 267 career interceptions. All right, wow. Like Favre had 70 more interceptions than Vinny Testaverde. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> wow. Yeah, 70s. <laughs> Four really healthy years of turning the ball over. Yeah. 
So, and, and hmm. you know, his nickname was Vinny Intest- Interception Verde. So. Yeah, <laughs> right. And he got benched at time. Like, he wasn't as good as Brett, you know? Yeah. Right. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting to, to look at that uh, list and, and see some of those numbers on there. You just don't think of football as those hmm. those hallowed numbers. Uh, you know, Didn't f- Gil Sayers have six touchdowns in one game? Yes. I mean, that could happen. As did Al Bundy. As did Al Bundy, right. <laughs> I mean, I guess, like, Jerome could have if you had a bunch of short ones. Jerome so, once know, had a game, if you remember. I know, I remember those. Yeah, line. Yep. he had, uh, I think, five, five carries for, for minus two yards and three touchdowns. <laughs> right, right. If I remember correctly Some on the stat line, line of that yep. one. It was, it was a ridiculous uh, game for him. Uh, great fantasy game. Yeah, right. <laughs> five yards or something. But, Good uh, stuff. Yeah. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to hear from uh, James Conner, who spoke to the media earlier today. We're also going to hear from his position coach, Eddie Faulkner. We'll do that right after this on the training camp report. A sense of, uh, I don't know, for lack of a better term, community with you guys? Um, I just feel like guys are excited to be back. Um, like you said, no, nobody on our team opted out. And so um, it's easy to talk about excitement and all that. We were just, you know, excited to get back. We, we've been out of football for a while. It's been a long off season for us. And so, um, you know, everybody on this team loves football, and uh, we love being around each other. And so that's what it's about, you know, great teammates. I have great teammates here. And um, we were excited to see each other back. So we just focused on, you know, taking it one day at a time and just coming together as a group. Pryor, ESPN. Hey, James. Uh, when we talked to David DeCastro earlier this week, he said that last year sucked for an offense, for the offense. But how do you balance forgetting about last season, but also learning from the things that went wrong and maybe even being motivated by it this year? Uh, you just be a professional and you just realize, you know, you can't get, you can't get time back. You can't, you know, get plays back. You always got to have that, that next play and um, next opportunity mindset. You know, we have opportunity now to come together at this, you know, during this, uh, you know, during this weird time. Um, but we're making the most out of it, so we're uh, putting our best foot forward and, and just, you know, coming together. And we can't do anything about last year, so we're just looking forward to to, to this year. Will Graves, Associated Press. Hey, James. Um, curious. You know, uh, you guys haven't really been on the field in pads for a long time. Um, the preparation for this season is unlike preparation for other seasons. I write about other sports in this town. I write about the Pirates. All their pitchers are getting hurt. They only had three weeks to get ready as opposed to six. I mean, are you worried that the long layoff, you know, between the physicality of this, of, of padded practices and stuff might be a, a trouble for you guys as you get going? Um, no, we're not worried about it. We'll, um, do the necessary things we need to do during practice to get ready. And, uh, you know, we'll be smart about it. I know what it feels like, you know, to, to, to be in the game and get and get tackled and have contact and all that. So, uh, you know, we're not worried about it. Uh, you know, it's the same for everybody. So, as long as we be professionals, you know, we'll be fine. Ray Fimpaldo, Post-Gazette. Oh, excuse me. Ray, you on? You're muted, looks like. You got me now? Yep. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, James, I just had a follow-up on the decision to opt in or opt out. Was it a bit more complicated for you because you went through chemo and, you know, your immune system may or may not be, you know, back to where it should have been? And what were those conversations like with your family as you tried to, like, gather as much information as you could, as you could on that, you know, the, the, the process? 
I'm going on four years now removed from cancer, so I didn't have to talk to my family, and uh, that was never a concern for me. Um, you know, I've been healthy for years now, so no, it was was easy. It was an easy decision for me. Not much thought went into it. You know, I wanted to play football, and I'm healthy. My immune system is, is back healthy, so you know, no worries. Brian Hey James, uh, there's a couple teams around the league that are doing kind of, I don't know if they're calling it a soft bubble, but they're basically bubbling themselves at like a team hotel uh, and stuff like that. Uh, is that something that you guys as players have talked about? Um, would you be open to that? Uh, and, and how much have you paid attention uh, to stuff like that around the league, what other teams are doing to try to navigate this whole thing? Um, no, it hasn't been nothing we talked about and haven't been paying much attention to it. Um, we've been making it work right here at Heinz. It's been good. We've been keeping it safe here. So uh, I'm enjoying it so far. You know, not not a lot of thought been, well, went into it. We haven't been talking about being in a bubble or whatnot, um, taking all the necessary precautions here at Heinz and, and making it work. So we've been, it's been running smooth so far. James? Jeff Hawthorne, 93.7. Hey, James, just wondering if you can give us an idea of what having been back make, means to the confidence of the offense, and you tell us how he's looked throwing the football. Looking good. He's motivated. Um, you know, he, he expressed to us, you know, how anxious he is to get back out there. And, uh, of course, you know, you got a Hall of Famer. Just gonna, you know, everybody's going to rally around him when he comes back. And so we're just, we're just happy that he, uh, he's recovered and, he, and he's healthy. You know, for him, first and foremost, you know, that he's healthy. And uh, we know that you know, with him in charge, you know, we're going to do big things. So it's, it's, it's been nice having him back. Thanks. Mike Prezuda, DBE. James, the, the discussion when your name comes up from Kevin Colbert and, and people associated with the team, they keep saying, we know what we have in James when he's healthy. Uh, did, did you do anything in the off season that maybe you hadn't before, but you've picked up on uh, in, in an effort to stay healthy, or was it pretty typical for you? No, I just worked hard. You know, solid areas to it. You just have a work ethic. And, uh, every year you attack it, give it all you got in the off season, prepare for the season. It's a game of football. Injuries gonna happen, so I don't really pay no attention to what anybody says. Honestly, um, as long as the people who make the important decisions. You know, they believe in me. That's really all that matters. Really don't care what anybody else thinks. And so the ones who make all the important decisions, they believe in me. I believe in myself. And so we're going to leave it at that. Didi Kinkobala, NFL Network. Hey, James. Thanks for doing this. Yep. Um, you're not getting to hit as much as you ordinarily would. You're not having preseason games. So as a running back, how much do you miss that? Do you miss it? Do you think it's necessary? And how do you evaluate these young guys, like McFarland, for instance, if they're not getting any game action? Uh, well, you know, I leave that to, to, to Coach T, and he's one to make those decisions. I know he'll, he understands that's a, you know, a hurdle that we have to deal with with not having preseason games. And so, um, you know, we will follow his lead, and, He'll put us in position and practice for us to get used to game life scenarios, I'm sure. And so that way, uh, from September when we kick off, everybody be ready to roll, you know, full speed. But do you feel you need a little bit? I mean, do you feel like you need a little more action before the real live game action starts? 
Oh, no, it's my fourth year, so I'm, you know, it's, it's just a game of football. I know, what it, I know how to, you know, I know what fits feel like. Alan Saunders, Pittsburgh Sports Now. Hey, James. Uh, you know, as you guys, uh, you know, David Castro said last season, you know, sucked or, or whatever, but is, are there some things that you guys learned about yourselves or about yourself as an offense without Ben? that you can maybe take as positive lessons or, or things that could be improvements now that you have him back? Uh, I feel we had the opportunity to see how good our defense is. And so, um, you know, we learn win or lose. If we, if we, if we go on to win a Super Bowl, we'll learn things from that season. If, if we go on to have a season like we did last year, you know, we learn things. So we're constantly learning. That's our job is to continue to grow and evaluate ourselves. And so, um, you know, it's just nice to have him back. Like like they said, last year was last year. So we're just focused on this year. And, uh, you know, got a great defense, got a great offense. So let's do it. Let's put it together. Bo Marciani, College Pro. Bo, you're mute. Oh, there you go. Good morning. Um, James, um, a few years ago with Stephen Ridley, Le'Veon Bell, you were the rookie. Now you're kind of like the veteran of the running back group. Um, have you taken on a leadership role, with you per se? And just talk about that experience of being the guy with the experience now. Yeah, it's definitely in a leadership role. It's my job to, you know, get that running back group going. So I just got to set the tone every day when I step out there for practice. You know, teach these young guys. Um, it's been awesome. I've been learning from them, you know, and, and they've been learning from me. And so it's been nice. We're all learning together. It's looking great. Of you know being a rookie in the room, man, um, he's learning fast. He's looking good. He's, he's eager to learn. He's asking questions, and he's picking things up as well. So, um, you know, we're all just learning from each other. It's, it's a group effort going forward. It's been fun so far. Thank you. All right, we got time for two more. So, Chris Adamski, Trib. Hey, James. I know it's. Like everything else, it's tough to uh, with no on you know, pads and everything yet. But the offensive line, it's been this, it had been the same long before you got there. Essentially, the same five guys. You have a new third, new right tackle this year in three years, a new left guard. Uh, do you guys, do you still see it as being, um, you know, one of the best in the league? And, and do you have faith in, you know, Matt to move and whether it be Chooks or Zach to take over on the right tackle? Yeah, I got faith in every uh, each and every one of those guys. Um, you know. Some different pieces, standards. It's a standard here for his offensive linemen. We got an elite group. Um, the way they come to work every day, the relationships that they have with each other, you know, those are kind of things that uh, can't be measured. And, uh, I get to see it every day, so I know that that's an elite group. I'm excited to, you know, be in a protection game with them. I'm excited to run behind them and just to take the field with them. So definitely have an elite group. All right, last one we got time for today. Noah Strapping, Sports Illustrated. Hey, James. Um, can you talk a little bit about Derek Watt, what you've seen from him and, you know, kind of what it's like to adjust to, to a new fullback? Uh, it's been awesome having Derek. Um, he comes to work every day. He's a, you know, he's a, he's a leader as well. You know, he's in the classroom. You know, he's, he, he sets a tone there with you know, how he, his knowledge and how he's picking things up. And uh, on the field, he brings energy. So uh, excited to be with Derek, man. Uh, he has a great resume. Uh, he's going to help our team out a lot, you know, especially on special teams as well. You know, 
where he comes down on kickoff and, and you know, on the fullback. So he, he does it all. So we're excited to be with him. All right, guys, thank you so much. We're going to have Coach Faulkner here up next pretty soon. That was Steelers running back James Conner earlier today with the media. Uh, lots of stuff there to talk about uh, regarding his uh, decision to play despite the COVID outbreak, yep. his expectations for this season. And you heard him talk a lot about uh, the other running backs on the roster as well. Yeah, and a lot of these these um, interviews we've had are very energetic. You know, I mean, they've been cooped up too, just like everybody else. Yeah. So I mean, I'm sure they're excited to get moving. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll continue that. Tomorrow we get uh, Mike Tomlin uh, early in the morning nice. as well. So. Uh, we'll get to continue to bring you all the interviews as they happen during the week. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to hear from uh, Eddie Faulkner, who is the Steelers running backs coach, obviously talking a lot about James Conner. We'll do that right after this. Steelers training camp media availabilities are presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, we just heard from Steelers running back James Conner, Matt. Uh, now we're going to hear from his position coach, Eddie Faulkner. Yeah, and Coach Faulkner's got his hands full. I mean, it's a young room. I mean, it's a it's a decent group. But if he can coach some stuff out of those guys, Molding they can the surprise. Clay. Yeah, exactly. They yeah. can surprise. Yeah, they definitely could. And, and I think this is what you kind of want in today's NFL, a young running back room. You want those fresh young legs. Yeah, I agree with you too. Yeah, yep. so let's hear what Eddie Faulkner had That's to say. design. Earlier today, <laughs> yeah. Hey, Eddie, uh, we you know, talked to James, and he said he never really considered opting out of this season. Had you ever had any kind of consideration with him? And did you ever think you might not have him for this? You know, the climate being what it is, obviously, in, in his uh, previous situation um, being what it was, you know, that could always be a possibility. But um, knowing his heart and where he's at and the kind of competitive he was, it was never a real thought in my head. I mean, um, it's not. It's never. It's never anything that was even approached in, in a conversation or that he and I had or anything like that. So, to be honest with you, I kind of fully expected, you know, expected um, him to be a full participant, um, and you know, that's just how he's built. Okay, thank you, Brian Backo, Post Gazette. Hey, Eddie, how you doing? Doing well. Um, just. Curious with Jalen Samuels um, being on the the reserve list and everything, um, how much is he missing from what you guys are doing? Is it almost relatively better to have him out uh, right now rather than later? And, and I guess how much do you still get to correspond with him and uh, keep him in the loop as much as possible? Um, so to your first question, I mean, any time missed and, and days of work missed isn't necessarily a good thing. But if you're going to miss some time, it would be in the front end of this where it's um, you know, tempo down, it's walkthrough, it's, it's um, you know, uh, meetings and stuff like that. Um, yes, I talk to him daily. Not only, you know, first of all, my most important concern is his well-being. Secondly, to make sure he's up to speed um, as far as meetings and what we've talked about and um, plays going in that day. Um, he does have the advantage of going into his third year, so he's done most of these things. And and everything will resound, you know, resonate with him once he hears it. He's just going to have to go out and, um, you know, when he does show up, hit the ground running. Um, you know, COVID has put us in that type of situation where a guy's got to be willing to show up and and um, and show out um, if they are put into that protocol. So I would expect him to do that 
and I do have confidence that when he gets here, he'll know what to, you know, he'll know what he's doing and can be able to go play fast and react fast to what's going on. Thanks. From Crowder, ESPN. Hey, Eddie, good to see you. Um, you know, a lot's been made about Ben coming back and how much that's just going to lift the offense as a whole. But for the run game, what other things need to happen to make sure that a re- things, whether it's on the line or specific things that Connor can do, um, other than just stay healthy, need to happen for the run game to improve? Um, you know, we've been, obviously, we know that needs to be an improvement. Um, we've worked on it. Um, Ben's presence opens up the run game. I also think the run game can help um, Ben, you know, with some things. So, obviously, we put an emphasis on improving that way. Um, yes, health is one concern, but we can all take our piece of the puzzle of, of how we can improve, what things we need to improve, whatever detail that is, whether it's running a play differently, identifying it differently, what have you. Um, and we've gone through that with a fine-tooth comb, even virtually in the offseason. And I feel really confident about where it's at. Um, and I feel confident about my room in a hole that whoever's toting the rock can be productive. So um, I'm excited because I feel like the run game will, will um, has progressed, has gotten better. Um, and obviously when you add a Hall of Fame quarterback um, to the mix, that makes everybody around them better. Thanks. Gail Lolly, DK Pittsburgh Sports. Hey, Eddie. Uh, I'm just curious, in retrospect, did, uh, did James maybe come back too early a couple of times last year and, and – and- it kind of uh, made the injury worse than, than what it was. Did he was he pushing to, to come back and help the team? Yeah, I mean he definitely wants to be out there, but I'm no doctor, so I can't really you know say whether he came back early or not. Um, he's got to be the one that makes that call on his body and the medical professional. So I would defer. I'll, I'm going to always defer to them and and John Norwig and our training staff on what they say to do. Um, but, you know, I do know the type of person he is. He's always going to be chomping at the bit to get back out there. So as a coach on that end, that's something you need to monitor and make sure you're having that communication that, you know, he's he's taking the proper precautions. He's, he, you know, that he's in good shape, that he can go out there and play and play fast. And, and really that's my job. So I lean, on, I lean heavily on the docs and the training staff um, when it comes to things like that. Thanks. Jeff Hawthorne, 93.7. Um, hope you and family are well. Just wondering, what do you feel like the options you have in your room with the different uh, types of running backs? I feel like there's a lot of options in there. I mean, um, you got you got experience for one, not only on that plain running back, but also in special teams, guys who've been productive. You have um, you know a a Pro Bowl type of running back as a starter that when healthy, he's as good as any in the league. Um, and you have a, a bunch of guys that skill set fits what we look for, whether that be Jalen Samuels and his versatility, whether that's Anthony McFarlane and his change of direction and burst and speed, along with um, Kareth White being that similar type of back, Trey Edmonds and and um, uh, Wendell Smallwood, guys who have a, 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 a resume, um, again, not only playing running back, playing, um, you know, you know, uh, special teams. You got Derek Watt, a veteran um, type guy, fullback. You know, and I just looked around the entire room, and um, obviously Benny Snell came in, and, and, and his first year did some good things for us and only gotten better. And I just look around the room, and I see a lot of talented guys that can help us. These practices and what we're going through now help us find out what they do best to 
put them in position to for us to win some games, and we'll go from there. So I'm 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 really excited about the room because of the versatility of, of all the guys that are in there. Jenna Harner, PXI. Hey Eddie, what are some of the challenges that you guys have run into, or I guess have there been some challenges you've run into as you guys you're slowly ramping up here? Well, I mean. You know, it was obviously frustrating when you're in a virtual type of setting and you coach football and you're used to being out there on the field with your guys and being able to walk through or, you know, the various ways in which we help them learn. And when you're limited to just being virtual and doing that um, via um, film, um, you got to be very uh, diligent about the words that you're using and the things you're saying and very detailed about what your expectation would be for them to execute. Um, I don't want to say that that's necessarily um, – created you know any adversity but it's been a challenge and um but that part of it's been good because we've still been able to find different ways to operate um and getting back with them has been awesome and so we're just trying to hit the ground running coach Tomlin says it all the time we're not going to make any excuses because of the circumstance or what COVID has presented we're going to take it in stride and, and execute Will Graves Associated Press Hey, Eddie, you just ran down a list of guys in your room. I'm curious, with the lack of, of hitting, you're not going to get as much padded practice. There's no preseason games. You know, do you guys might be more inclined to, to make sure that things are spread out early in the season, that guys, it's not going to be one guy that you might have to spread it around just to sort of protect. I don't know if that's the right word, but, you know, guys are not going to have the normal wear and tear and acclimation time that they would get during a normal season. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, with no preseason games, it's hard to get that uh, that true evaluation sometimes of some of the other backs. But at the same time, I know what a lot of them can do. So when 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 that conversation comes to my head, it really speaks to guys like um, Anthony McFarland, who who um, just got here, or Wendell Smallwood, who I'm trying to get to know. Um, you know, things like that. But you know, the nature of the running back position, a lot of times. Um, it is hands-off until you get in a, uh, a stadium or game-type environment just because of the wear and tear that can be created every day in practice if you're not doing a good job monitoring that. So, um, you know, that's part of my job um, is to is to, is not necessarily spread them out so much to keep the wear and tear, but also to spread them out and, and pick spots and see what it is they can do or um, can't do as well as maybe the next guy, and then that helps us, um, you know, put it all together. But um, it's just something that we're working through. Um, and, and, you know, these guys are professionals. I think when, you know, the ball gets kicked off, um, whenever that is, they'll be ready to play. Mark Cabali, The Athletic. Hey, Eddie. Thanks for doing this. Um, my questions uh, about Benny Snell, uh, just based off of some of the photos that were provided to us, looks like he's transformed his body. First of all, is that true? Did the organization ask him to do that? And um, what do you expect from him this year? Well, I think whenever a new guy shows up, there's a process of getting them to understand how you go about your business as a professional. Um, that was no different when Benny as a rookie last year and, and the same process is going on with Anthony McFarland as a rookie this year. Um, so, yes, we guide them on, on the best ways to take care of the body, what to eat, the, you know, the proper precautionary measures, they need to take to keep themselves as healthy as possible. Um, these are constant conversations we have, but then it falls on the player to implement those things. And what's been really good to see, and, and yes, that is true, Benny looks better. 
Um, he's done a lot of running. You can see the work he's put in, but the exciting part about it is he, he did it while being away from us. Um, so, you know, he had a focus on, on getting, getting right and getting in the best shape he can. So, like I said, I'm excited with Benny. Um, you know, that's a guy that's passionate and loves the game. Um, and so he'll pick things up. I feel like he'll hit the ground running this year. Mike Pursuta, DVE. Eddie, staying on the, the Benny Snell theme, he had a handful of games where he got a lot of carries, and that's when he really seemed to do well. What did you see in those games, and uh, what did those tell you about where he could end up eventually? Yeah, Benny Snell football. I mean, um, you know, he thrives. I think he gets better going back to college. He gets better as the game goes on. Um, and, you know, becomes a, you know, quote-unquote finisher of those games. Um, so I would expect that to continue to um, grow for him. My expectation in year two would be to him to be more solid in, in understanding pass protections, him to be more solid in understanding route concepts. Um, we did not need to ask him to do that as much last year because we have had other guys um, that can play that role, and we still do. But as far as his development, that's the next step. Um, you know, he's a willing and, and very capable pass protector, but I want him to understand it like I do. And so um, when he makes that next step, um, I think he, you know, he start, he's headed down the direction of being complete because he's got really good hands um, and he can protect. And obviously we've seen him as a runner. I think that will continue to improve with the shape he's in. Um, and, and in turn, you know, he'll just get better with time. Thanks, Eddie. Ray Fittipaldo, Post-Gazette. Uh, hey, Annie, how you doing? I uh, was wondering, what kind of tweaks did you guys make to the run game after finishing 30th in the league last year? Well, I can't divulge all that information, but, you know, I will say that there's been some, um, you know, there's conversations on just things that we can do better and how we can do it better and how we can um, do, you know, get in better sets formationally, different ways we can run plays and create plays by motion, uh, motioning the guy to a certain spot and things like that, but um, it's, it's no different than anybody else in the league or involved in football is really doing. We're just trying to put our best product out. Um, and, and you're right, we do realize that we need to improve, and, and that's been our, our mission, um, you know, going back to the spring virtually. So um, we'll see where it heads from there. Chris Adamski, Trib. <laughs> you're, you're muted. Oh. There you go. Sorry. <laughs> Only five months into this. I think I'd be better. Um, you referenced Wendell Smallwood, and um, what have you – I know it's football and shorts and whatever it is right now, but, but what have you seen from him, and how can he fit in the offense? And along with that, is it important to establish a division of labor in terms of everybody having a specific role in terms of in your room and what they can do and what you know situations they play in? Um, so to your first question, you know, what I've seen with Wendell is he's a pro, you know what I mean? He comes in to work every day. He's smart. He understands the urgency involved and um, not only learning it, but how he practices. He's just a, a consummate professional. So um, this, it's not any surprise that he's, he's had the, um, the, the record he has in, in the NFL. As far as the room, you know, um, I'm kind of in a position where I, I know what a lot of the guys can do, but I also want to give them the opportunity to show me what they've improved on. So as we get 
going down the road here, we'll start to see what some of those things are. And then you can start to look at a division of labor or who does what well. Um, but, you know, that's going to be the outline theme of the 2020 season in the NFL, in my opinion, is, you know, people who you can depend on, who you know what's going to do, who can go out and execute with not having, you know, missing a thousand reps um, from from what would have been the spring and the off season. Um, the guys that you can depend on and know what they do. So we'll, we'll try to put a thumb on that pretty quickly on what their skill set is and then let it shake from there. But as we sit here now, I'm just trying to see what everybody can do in the whole and then where they've improved, you know, maybe where some deficiencies may be, and then we can look at our team from that. Right, we got time for just one more question. It's going to be Alan, Alan Saunders. It's for Sports Now. Hey, Eddie. You you bring in Wendell obviously very late in the process here. Um, was that something that you had thought most of the off season that you wanted to add, maybe specifically somebody with some experience before you got to camp, and and why was that? Well, hey, I'm gonna be honest with you. That's that's out of my pay grade a little bit. You know, the the, the personnel department they go about their business. They whoever they put in my room, I'm gonna coach the the, the mess out of them and get them as good as they can be. And it's really as simple as that. I will say. You know, I'm glad he's in the room because, like I said earlier, he's a professional and he's a great example for some of the younger guys on how you handle your business. But whoever they put in that room to coach, I'm going to coach them. That was Steelers running backs coach Eddie Faulkner earlier today with the assembled media on a uh, Zoom call. And we appreciate uh, all the uh, Zoom calls the Steelers uh, bringing us here. And we'd like to play them back for you. Uh, Matt, that's going to do it for the show. Yeah, another good one. Uh, we're rolling along here, two days for us, and we're going to have more football football to talk about, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting uh, – can't wait for that to happen uh, just around the corner, and I'm, I'm really getting uh, pretty geeked up to uh, to see what, uh, what things look like on the football field. Uh, we're going to continue to bring you our coverage here on the training camp report throughout training camp. Uh, we got the f- full days uh, ahead every day throughout the week. Sure do. Uh, but f- that's going to do it for today's shows. Uh, So for my partner, Matt Williamson, for Wes here on site, I also want to thank uh, Bob Labriola and Mike Prasuda for stopping by as well. Uh, I'm Dale Lally. That's going to do it for today's training camp report here on Steelers Nation Radio.